0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Seems like everywhere you turn in Gaza, generations of families are being severed. Take YL al dadu. He's the Gaza bureau chief for Al Jazeera, and in October, his wife, son, daughter, and grandson were all killed in an Israeli airstrike. Video of him went viral, crying as he stood over his son's body at the hospital. He was back on the air less than 24 hours later. Then, over the weekend, his other son Hamza, who also works for Al Jazeera, was also killed. The Israel Defense Forces admitted to carrying out the airstrike that killed Hamza and another Al Jazeera journalist as they returned from an assignment, but says it was targeting a terrorist. The IDF also has long denied targeting journalists, but the toll of the war on members of the press is hard to ignore. The Committee to Protect Journalists says since October 7th, At least 79 journalists and media workers have been killed inside Gaza, Israel, and Lebanon.
0: Al-Dahdu attended the funeral of his son, which happened uh, shortly thereafter, and he said that he hopes that his son's death would be the last of all journalists being killed in
1: Gaza. This is just a slice of the pain being felt by countless Palestinians as Israel continues its war against Hamas. And it's against that backdrop that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrives in Israel for another set of high-stakes meetings. And tension across the region has only ratcheted up since the last time he was there.
2: So if Israel was responsible for the killing of this senior commander today, the next question now is for Hezbollah, how do they respond to it?
1: Today, we're going to look at if shuttle diplomacy is enough to quell fears of a wider war and what political divisions within Israel can tell us about post-war plans for Gaza. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Ryan. Nick Robertson is CNN's International Diplomatic Editor. He's back in Tel Aviv now. We're speaking on Monday afternoon. Nick, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spent the weekend you know, shuttling around the Middle East before big meetings in Israel tomorrow on Tuesday. What is he trying to accomplish on this trip?
2: There's a couple of things. He's visiting a lot of different countries or is part of the way through visiting a lot of different countries. And there's a collective message, which is, to all of them, which is let's not escalate this situation. Let's not get a war across the border with Hezbollah in Lebanon. Let's not get into some direct confrontation with Iran.
3: This is a conflict that could easily metastasize, causing even more insecurity and even more suffering. So from day one, among other priorities, we have been intensely focused on working to prevent the conflict uh, from spreading.
2: So there's that message, and he's giving that message to the different countries uh, with all the different leaders, and he wants them to take that message themselves to Tehran or to Tehran's proxies, like to Hezbollah, like the Houthis in Yemen who are attacking shipping there. So that's one message, and the other message is one really for the Israelis, and that is, look, um, for the people in Gaza, they need better humanitarian supplies. Um, It needs to be more consistent. You need to deliver it to where they are, you need to allow them to get back to their homes uh, when the conditions permit, and you also need to make it safer for them.
3: I will also raise the imperative of doing more to prevent civilian casualties. Far too many Palestinians, innocent Palestinians, have already been killed.
2: He also wants to put a focus on getting the hostages out, recovering the hostages. Mm. You know, these are the big things for him. And in a way, he kind of set the Israeli government that mission when he was here last year back in December.
1: What should we make of some of these attacks that we've seen, you know, in Lebanon and Beirut? And in just the past few hours, we heard about this senior Hezbollah leader being killed. What should we make of some of these attacks taking place not in Gaza, but in another country like Lebanon.
2: Yeah, look, I think this is a possible pathway to escalation. And of course, this is what Secretary Blinken is trying to avoid. Now to some stunning new developments out of the Middle East. Hamas has now confirmed that one of its senior leaders, Salah al-Aruri, was killed in Beirut. U.S. officials say it was Israel that killed this Hamas leader in Beirut. Now Hezbollah in Lebanon said that they would respond for that because it happened right under their noses. Local news outlets say that at least four people were killed at the site of the explosion that reportedly targeted an office building belonging to Hamas. On Saturday, Hezbollah says they fired 62 missiles at an Israeli military base in the north of Israel, and they fired those missiles from Lebanon. And Israel responded the same day and hit what they said was a terror cell responsible for those launches. Two days later...
1: This is CNN breaking news.
2: We do have breaking news just into CNN. This senior Hezbollah commander has been killed. This is the most senior Hezbollah militant to be killed by Israel since the daily exchange of fire has been happening across the Israel-Lebanon border since the October 7th terror attack. And Israel hasn't taken responsibility for the, for the killing of Wissam Tawil. But we know that he's senior because the, his military units released pictures of him with Qasem Soleimani, the top Iranian general that the U.S. killed in a drone strike four years ago, another mm. top Hezbollah figures. So this is a senior player. So to Hezbollah on the ground, this can feel like halfway to an escalation.
1: But I guess, is it a tit-for-tat, like one response to the other, or does Israel have greater plans to escalate this?
2: There are certainly those in Israel that believe and have believed that the time is right to remove the Hezbollah's threat to Israel, that this is the right time to have that fight. And this is something the United States and other countries have urged against. And there are other politicians in Israel who have also urged against it. Hezbollah presents a much bigger and deeper threat to uh, Israel, even than Hamas, because they have longer-range missiles, more missiles, more sophisticated, more accurate missiles. And they could launch a long-term campaign against Israel and inflict a lot of structural, physical, and economic damage. So far, Israel is operating beneath a threshold that both sides believe or seem to believe or behave, would not lead to a greater escalation. But there's always a possible of miscalculation. So if Israel was responsible for the killing of this senior commander today, the next question now is for Hezbollah. How do they respond to it? We'll be
1: right back.
0: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: We're back with Tug of War. I'm speaking with CNN's Nick Robertson. Can we talk about the proverbial day after in Gaza? Because there has been a lot of outrage about what some far-right ministers in the Israeli government have suggested about those plans. Like, can you explain that for us?
2: Some of those far-right ministers in the cabinet, in the Israeli government cabinet, have suggested that Palestinians in Gaza should be allowed voluntarily to leave Gaza and go and live somewhere else. Hmm. Now Egypt, the neighboring country, and Jordan, neither of those countries want this to happen.
3: Palestinian civilians must be able to return home as soon as conditions allow. They cannot, they must not be pressed to leave Gaza.
2: And we've heard from Secretary Blinken saying, The United States does not support, does not want, and does not believe that's the right way to voluntarily have people, Palestinians, leave Gaza.
3: These statements are irresponsible, they're inflammatory, and they only make it harder to secure a future of Palestinian-led Gaza, with Hamas no longer in control and with terrorist groups no longer able to threaten Israel's security.
2: We've even heard from the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, who said, in no way, is it Israeli government policy? Mm. Is it Israel's policy to expel voluntarily or otherwise these Palestinians from Gaza? But it's a big issue. I and mean, when you look at the phase four, if you will, which is what the defense minister laid out a few days ago in a, in a three-page document. He talked about this phase four, which is the day after. And he said, okay, in this scenario, the day after, as Israel sees it, there's no, no longer a threat from Hamas. The Israeli military still has freedom of access to conduct operations. And also, and this could become a real issue about their vision of the day after, they want to be able to control that border between Gaza and Egypt, the so-called sort of Philadelphia corridor, where Rafa is, where it sits on the border with Egypt. They want to be able to control that. And, and one of the obvious reasons is because the tunnels that go under that border to Egypt, where a lot of the smuggled goods, explosives and other things, have been able to get into, get into Gaza over the past years. So their vision for a, a day after doesn't have a clear plan for a political dispensation. They say there'll be no Israeli uh, civilians there, so no Israeli political dispensation in Gaza, mm. they're not running it. And they're looking to the United States along with European and regional partners to be the focus point for humanitarian and reconstruction efforts in Gaza. So the plan has certainly contentious points in it, and it's really absent a lot of detail. And I think Secretary Blinken will want to get more of that day after detail understood.
1: Right. And like, what does that say about the state of Prime Minister Netanyahu's war cabinet? Because like these far right ministers have a, have a voice in it, right? Like, are they fully united over how this all is going so far?
2: They're not. And I think we saw that when the defense minister laid out that three-page document on on the day after and the way forward, um, that was when we heard from these far-right members saying the day after looks like the day before, it doesn't go far enough, and and that isn't good enough. So you can see these tensions that exist. Mm. Now, they're not in the war cabinet, they're in the main cabinet, Um, but it's interesting because there's been dissenting within the cabinet as well, an anger over the military, launching a military investigation into October the 7th, because they want to make discoveries about what operationally went wrong, so they can put those right now. Now, there are politicians within the cabinet who are saying, whoa, 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 what's the military doing getting ahead of the politicians? Right. The politicians are supposed to lead the way, and the, some of these politicians are afraid that the blame is going to land on them, but the defense minister stood behind his chief of staff and said, no, this is the right way to go with this investigation. And, and, and kind of importantly here, the political figure that wasn't in government and after October 7th came into unity government, Benny Gantz said the prime minister has got to get himself straightened out. The prime minister has either got to choose between politics or having unity and security. And he knows that if this government collapses, there will be elections. And the polling figures right now say that the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, would not get re-elected. He is unpopular.
1: Nick, thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Taylor Galgano and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manissari, Robert Mathers, John DeNora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andres, Nicole Passerou, and Lisa Namorau. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Mohamed Tafiq, and Katie Hinman. We will be back on Wednesday with another update. In the meantime, CNN.com or the CNN app for the very, very latest. Talk to you later.